Back to the Gospel of John. What I wanted to do this morning is I wanted to read the conversation that Jesus has with Nicodemus. And we find this conversation in John chapter 3. And we're going to read verses 1 through 17. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 3. If not, we're going to have the verses up on the screen. And uh, once again, if you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you one. Um, Just ask at the welcome desk in the lobby. We will give you a Bible. Um, We would love for everyone to have their own Bible to read it for themselves. But uh, John chapter 3, verses 1 through 17 says, There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Verse 7. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of the spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher and you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me, when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the son of man has come down from heaven. Verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. You know, this is a very intriguing encounter between Jesus and and Nicodemus, once again, a religious leader, a Pharisee. In, previous, in the previous chapter, we, we saw Jesus turning water into wine. And then if you continue to read chapter 2, we see that Jesus went into the temple and he cleansed the temple. Things were happening, happening in the religious system of that day that really ticked Jesus off, that made him upset. Uh, we, we learned that Jesus actually made a whip and he went into the temple And he was cracking the whip and he was throwing uh, the money changers tables. They were using religion to make a buck. They were using religion to profit. And boy, doesn't that happen to this day. All right? It happens all the time. Religion is one of the biggest money-making businesses in the world. Religion. And that was firing Jesus up. And so he went in and he cleansed the temple. And so we shouldn't be surprised that Nicodemus would come to visit Jesus at night. Why is he coming during the night? He doesn't want people to know that he's going to have an encounter, to have this conversation with Jesus, because Jesus has made a few people upset with him. Some people don't like Jesus because of what he stands for. He, Nicodemus wouldn't want any other Jewish leaders to see that he had been impacted by this person, Jesus Christ. And so he comes by night, and when he comes... Jesus has to inform him on what it means to be born again. Like what what true religion 
is like. I, I want you to know that there's only two kinds of religion in the world. There's only two kinds of religion. There's the religion that you carry in your own strength, in your own power, and then there's the religion that carries you. There is the religion of do. You have to be good enough. You have to do good enough. You have to do all these religious things. And then there's the religion of done. It's already been done for you. It's already been accomplished. Two kinds of religion. The one you carry and the one that carries you. Obviously, something was different about Jesus. The faith of Jesus was was not like the, the ritualism that Nicodemus had experienced or that he was used to growing up with. In fact, Nicodemus didn't even understand the conversation that he was having with Jesus. He was confused. And Jesus has to say to him, are are you really like a religious leader of the Jews and you you don't understand these things? Like, what's your religion accomplishing for you? I, I would say Jesus is saying, not much. You're doing all these religious things, but it's really not bringing a lot of change in your life, is it, Nicodemus? It's not really doing much for you. And the principle that Jesus gave him was summarized in verse 3. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You see, all throughout history, Jews longed for and they lived for the rule of God. They were waiting for the coming of God, the coming of the Messiah. But the issue that Jesus and Nicodemus were talking about was the question, what qualifies you to enter the kingdom of heaven? How are you able to enter into the kingdom of heaven? What gives you permission to do that? And Jesus says, the new birth qualifies you. That's the only way you can be qualified. Born again. How many of of you have heard that phrase, born again? Okay, I think everybody has heard that. The Greek word used for born again means to be born from above. In other words, it's a spiritual rebirth, not a physical birth. And this is what Nicodemus didn't understand. That confusion is shown when he asked the question in verse 4. He says, what do you mean? Exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? I mean, he's just like completely confused in this conversation that he's having with Jesus. And Jesus says, no, Nicodemus, listen, it must be a spiritual birth, not just a physical birth, but it has to be something that comes from heaven. Something from heaven has to enter your life and it has to bring you into relationship with a holy God. In other words, what Jesus was saying is it will not come through religion. It will not come through ritualism. It will not come from rule keeping, trying to keep the rules. It will come because there has been a spiritual relationship established between you and the Lord. And Jesus tells Nicodemus in verse 10, he says, you are a respected Jewish teacher, yet you don't understand these things. And then Jesus gives Nicodemus an illustration from the Old Testament of the scriptures. And it's as applicable today as it was when Jesus shared it with Nicodemus. He says in verse 14 and 15, he says, And Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so so the Son of Man must be lifted up. As Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him 
will have eternal life. And maybe you've read that before and you're like, man, what's this talking about? Like snakes, are we bringing snakes into the church? You know, what's this? This is weird. It's kind of confusing. So let's just take a moment to better understand what Jesus is trying to communicate here. All the way back in the Old Testament of the scriptures, in Numbers chapter 21, we find this story about this bronze snake being lifted up. The people were being bitten by poisonous snakes because they had rebelled against God and they were dying. They were dying from these snake bites. But God told Moses, the the leader of that day, if he put a bronze serpent up on a pole and he lifted it up so people could see it, he said everyone that looked at the bronze serpent would live. And if they looked to God for provision, if they looked to God for healing, God would save them from certain death. The look, looking, would give them life. And Jesus is actually referring back to this Old Testament story. This is what he's telling with Nicodemus. And Nicodemus knew all about the Old Testament. This is his religion. He knew all about this story of this bronze serpent. And so Jesus is using something that he's familiar with, that he's well accustomed to, that he knows all about. He says, if you want to have eternal life, Nicodemus, you have to look at the only provision that God has given you in your life. And that provision, the only provision, just like they looked in in the Old Testament at at the bronze serpent, the provision that has been provided in the New Testament is Jesus Christ. As a serpent was on a pole, Jesus was on a cross. And any man or woman, boy or girl, who looks to Christ, that is, they believe in Christ for the promise of eternal life. It's a promise, church. This is a promise that you're putting your faith in. God said, if you look at the bronze serpent, you will live. Like, do, you, do you believe God's promise enough to even look? And that's, that's really the message that's being communicated. I don't want you to look at religion for your deliverance. I don't want you to look at church for your deliverance. I don't want you to look to a man or a woman um, for your deliverance. I want you to look at Christ. I want you to look at Jesus for your deliverance. How bad do you want to live? God is saying through Jesus to Nicodemus and to the whole world, if you look at Jesus Christ, if you believe on him based upon the promises of God, eternal life will be yours. If you look to Jesus, if you believe in his promise, if you believe in in Jesus Christ, eternal life will be yours. And of course, this is where we get the greatest single verse in all of the New Testament. Remember Tim Tebow? Remember when he put John 3.16 under his eyes, you know? It was like the most, people searched on that on Google. It was one of the most searched verses. One of the, this is the verse. This is it right here. John 3.16. For this is how God loved the world. Maybe you've questioned, like, is God really for me? Does God really love me? This is how we know that God loves us, that God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. He gave his son as a sacrifice to pay the penalty to the holiness, to the wrath of God. A price had to be paid to 
that set us free from our brokenness. And the only price that would satisfy the wrath or the holiness of God was a perfect sacrifice. And that perfection came in the form of Jesus Christ. He gave his son. Now, I have four sons. I have four boys. And you know, to be very blunt and to be very honest, I'm probably not giving up one of them for you. To be honest with you, I love them way too much. And I, I'm probably not going <laughs> to give one of them up for you. Jesus Christ had one son, and he willingly gave his son as a sacrifice for you and me. I, I can't understand the depths of that kind of love. I can't fathom it. Jesus is unique. He's one of a kind. He is God incarnate. He's God who became man. He's God in the bod, right? He is God in the flesh. Because a perfect God could only accept a perfect sacrifice. And there is only one perfect person who is ever qualified to be that sacrifice, and that's the person of Jesus Christ who lived a sinless life. Man, I love 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. This is the Apostle Paul, and he says, He who knew no sin, he's speaking of Jesus Christ, He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Many people have referred to this as the great exchange or the transfer of new birth. What the great exchange is being talked about is, is God took our sin. He took our brokenness upon himself and he exchanged it for his righteousness. He took all of your wrongdoings and he took those on himself and he gives you his righteousness. Not because we're perfect but because he's perfect. And when you trust in Jesus, his righteousness is credited to your account, to your own life. And Jesus wants to make it clear, he did not come to condemn the world. Man, Satan has done a masterful job of painting God out to be a guy that's coming to condemn, to judge. But it says right here, he didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save it. He goes on to say in verse 18 that the world is condemned because of its own sin. He didn't condemn us. We are condemned because of our own choices, because of our own brokenness. My, my dad never sought, uh, set me down and taught me how to lie or how to steal or how to um, you know, be manipulative. That, that just came naturally. That's part of my sin nature. I'm condemned because I'm a sinner. And Jesus came to bring salvation to a sinful world. And to do that, he's made a free offer. And all you have to do is to be willing to receive that offer by faith. We talked about faith in this series. It's like you sitting in that chair, you trusted that chair was going to hold you. Man, you have to trust that Jesus is a man of his word and that he's going to keep his promise. And you actually, by faith, you step out and you trust his promise. You trust that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. You cannot earn it by being good enough. Let me put it a different way for us this morning. You could go to church 52 Sundays out of the year. You could be born in the church. You could have a desk and work at the church. You could take communion every Sunday. You could bring a cot and sleep at the church. And when you die, 
They could put you in a coffin and you could be buried at the church. But no matter how close you were or how close you are to religion, it will bring you no closer to God. Because God has one substitute. And He will accept only one substitute in the place of your sin. There's only one way, there's only one exchange that God will accept. Listen, we've all done wrong things, haven't we? And that substitute for our sin is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the only way. He's the only substitute. And so the challenge that you and I face today is to walk away from ritual religion and to walk towards a relationship with the Almighty God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the challenge. That's the challenge. You don't have to earn a right to have uh, the right standing with God. You can't do it in your own strength. You can't do it in your own power. God has already earned the right. And all you have to do is accept that right to, to put your faith in that promise and to trust that Jesus has already paid the price for you. Let me give you an example to think about this morning in regards to this. What if I threw down a challenge and I said, man, if anybody here can swim, okay, you can't have any water, you can't take any food, it's just you, you throw a, a swimsuit on and you need to swim from the coast of California to the shores of Hawaii with no assistance, okay? You'd never make it, right? You would never make that trip. It would be way too far for you to swim without any assistance, without any help, without any provision. The gap is too wide for you to swim that far. Now listen, if we were to, everybody were to take the challenge and we jumped into the ocean and we started paddling, I mean, you probably will outswim me, okay? You might... Um, outswim other people here in this room. I might be able to outswim some people. You may go further than me. I may be able to go further than you. I'm sure sharks are going to be a little bit more attracted to me than they are to you, you know? So I would be swimming hard and fast. But we would all experience the same fate. We would drown because the gap is too wide. We, we, we cannot do it. No matter how close you got compa- compared to how close I got, it doesn't really matter because we would all meet the same fate. We didn't make it. We couldn't make it. We would all drown. We didn't meet the standard. And God has a way. He has a standard. And it's non-negotiable. And you cannot earn it yourself. The gap for you and I to be accepted by God is way too wide. And our flesh is way too wicked. We, we cannot earn it. We cannot make up the difference. We can't be good enough to earn God's favor. It, it's, it's impossible. You cannot be good enough. Because He is too holy. He's too holy for you and I. You have to place your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ alone. It's through Christ and Christ alone. We sang about it this morning. It's in Christ alone. 
It's not Christ plus your good works. It's not Christ plus communion. It's not Christ plus baptism. It's not Christ plus anything. It's just Christ alone. It's only through Christ. And it's apart from ritualism. It's apart from religion. It's apart from your own attempts to meet the standards of a holy, perfect God. And listen, when you take that step and you say, God, I can't do it in my own strength. Would you save me? Would you, Holy Spirit, enter into my life? What happens is the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within you. And now, when God looks at Justin Ross before Christ, okay, on this side of salvation, he would look at Justin and he would see sin and brokenness. And it was unacceptable for me to be in his kingdom. But through faith in Jesus Christ, when I step to this side, because of faith, the Holy Spirit, now when God looks at me, He doesn't see Justin. He sees His Spirit because His Spirit is dwelling within me. That's how I can be accepted. That's how I can be welcomed into the kingdom of God is because, not because of me, but because of His Spirit within me. Now when God looks at you, because of your faith in Christ, He will see the blood of His Son. He'll see perfection. He'll see His Spirit. And you'll be accepted. Listen, Jesus has already met the standards. Jesus was able to swim the distance. Okay? He was able to to complete the gap because He was perfect. And when you place your faith in Christ alone, you place your faith in His substitutionary work on the cross, He will forgive your sins And He will give you the awesome, incredible gift of of eternal life that's never going to be taken back from you. It's a gift of salvation that you receive. And man, when you are a son or a daughter of God, you are His son or daughter forever. Listen, my sons, they could rebel against me. They could say, Dad, you're not my dad anymore. They could say, Dad, I hate you. They could say, Dad, I don't want you to... I'm going to change my name. But the fact of the matter is, they will always be my sons. They can't change that. Sorry, guys. Okay? They can't change that. Listen, when you put your faith in Christ, He will forgive your sins. He will give you the awesome gift of salvation, the awesome gift of eternal life. And may I just go one step further, and then we're going to be done this morning. This isn't a once-and-done, free-ticket-into-heaven gig. Man, how you prove that your faith, that your decision to follow Christ was legit, was real, is is you choose to follow Him with your life. And are you going to be perfect on this side of that decision of salvation? No. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to continue to do some things wrong. But you know what? There's a difference now. You have the Holy Spirit living within you, and He will convict you he will say hey that that was stupid all right hey let's get back up and let's go the right way listen god never kicks you while you're down his job and his goal is to lift you up if you're feeling beat down that's the enemy he's going to curse you he's going to mock you he's going to accuse you he's going to he's going to spit on you while you're on the ground god is offering a hand up and he says yes you messed up but hey let's move forward dust yourself off come on let's go forward Hey, when you make that decision to follow Jesus Christ, you're committing 
to a life of service. You're committed to give your life to him. And you're saying, I don't want to live that way anymore. And I'm turning from that life that I thought I knew what was best. And I'm going to turn and I'm going to go the path of Jesus Christ. I'm going to do what what he says is best, as best as I can. And you have a comforter. You have someone that will convict. You have someone that will teach you. The Holy Spirit will make you new. And listen, many people can testify. Many people can testify to the reality of being transformed. And either they're telling the truth or they're lying. But I'm testifying to you this morning that when I made the decision as a 13-year-old boy to give my life to Jesus Christ, my life changed. The scriptures came to life. I started seeing things that I had never seen before. I started experiencing uh, things that I had never experienced before. My life was different. And we could have many people testify to that reality. Man, I encourage you. Just like John 3.16 says, I'm going to quote it in the version that I grew up with, all right? The good old King James Version, all right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son so that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Man, that just gave me chills. Like, is is that not the greatest message that you've ever heard? Not this one. John 3.16, all right? (laughs) I already know the answer to this one, all right? But John 3.16, is that not the greatest message? Gosh, that brings hope. It brings life. It brings transformation. It gives you something to live for. Man, those of you that have already taken that step of faith, let's take that message to the world and let's do it in a way, man, that that people will listen. Let's do it in love, not in judgment. Even Jesus didn't come to condemn. He came to save. Let's, Let's have the mindset of Christ. Let's have the heart of Christ.